When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good Wednesday afternoon here from the TCL studios. This is Brian Murphy. I'm sitting in for Mackie and Judd who have the day off. And uh, we are, what, uh, 20 some hours after the polls closed on election day. And uh, it's great, Manny, because our long national nightmare only continues. Uh, <laughs> if you had a chance to see Donald Trump's or listen to Donald Trump's news conference today, uh, he claimed victory up and down and also uh, called out a couple of reporters, namely CNN's Jim Acosta, uh, and basically called, said, you're ter- pointing at him after he was asking a, an immigration-related question. You're a terrible human being. You're rude. Sit down. And he had one of his uh, lackeys try to take the mic from him. So I, I uh, would say he's probably in midterm form right now. Yeah, and you can, <laughs> tell, like. you can tell the bear has been poked. He put on the air of confidence, but he knows this is going to be a tough next couple of years now that the Democrats have taken over the House and they're just dusting off subpoena power and uh, investigatory regulations and uh, they're going to have him on the hot seat or at least his or, uh, his administration on the hot seat for a while. Speaking of on the hot seat, Rick Spielman uh, talked yesterday, his uh, annual bi-week media availability sitting in a conference room surrounded by uh, all us ink-stained wretches and website folk. And, uh, you know, the first thing, of course, he comes in and he says, don't you guys all have anything better to do during the bi? <laughs> snicker, snicker, snicker. <laughs> And Rick, it's just so difficult to be held publicly accountable for the decisions you make. He's available about four times a year to the yeah. media, including this is the only time anybody would get a chance to talk to him during the regular season. He's usually available postseason. And then during the combine uh, in March, you might be able to get a, a, a look or two uh, from him. But it's uh, he called Kirk Cousins nothing short of phenomenal. And, uh, I mean, mm. if I'm the guy that uh, wrote the $84 million check of the Wilfs' money, uh, I may be saying that as well. But I think there's some validity to that. Uh, Cousins, look, he's led them to five wins in the first nine games, despite a battered offensive line, a running game that really was non-existent as Dalvin Cook was working back from a hamstring injury. Right. Um, if I'm a Vikings fan, I mean, the Detroit game really, really calmed calmed me down because... The run, you know, Cook came back. Uh, he had that long run and didn't pop his hamstring. Um, obviously, he's got some acceleration, twenty-two miles an hour. Even though everybody was kind of had their collective yeah. breath holding as yeah. he was running that those yep, down the yards. sideline, you could just see him pop up and grab the back of his leg, and there goes yeah. the season again. But uh, you know, the running game kind of came alive, and the defense, boy, I mean, we all saw what happened there. I mean, ten sacks. Uh, team record, and they had Matthew Stafford running for his life. Um, 
I think if going into the bye, you got to feel pretty good. Five, three, and one is is not exactly where we thought they would be at this point, and that tie is going to be a, a real pain come come down yeah. the stretch for for tie breaking purposes and and playoff seating. But coming out with a road game at surprising Chicago and then home Thanksgiving weekend to the Green Bay Packers, you could see where they might be able to. They're going to be. They might be able to catch Chicago and put even more distance between themselves and the rival Packers. Uh, I got to feel pretty good about how the club looks now that they've got a week off. Yeah, you know, Murph. I'll be honest. Like I, I kind of figured at this point of the season, you know, before the season started that they would probably have a record about like this. I didn't think they'd have a tie. But I, Five I thought and four, six and three. Six and like- three is kind of what I was envisioning. I just didn't anticipate it being the I didn't anticipate all five being what they were and all three being what they were in terms of the wins and losses. I didn't see them losing to Buffalo. I don't think anybody no, saw God, that. No. In and, fact, Spielman said yesterday, I don't know uh, something to the effect of that wasn't the Minnesota Viking team that showed up. Of course, if I'm one of the ticket holders... <laughs> Um, I'd be like, great, then can I have my money back? Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right, that Buffalo loss. Looking, well, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, looking, looking down the road, if they do miss the playoffs or they can't get a home game, it'll mm-hmm. be because of that loss. Yep, and then that, that, is the, that is the game. I've told this to Phil and Judd a couple of different times. That is the game that if they end up a game out of the division, which I think when you consider the rest of the way the division looks right now, I think they're probably in the driver's seat, even though the Bears right now are technically in first first place. But they got two games against them. So. Right, and those two games are going to be huge. Including the season finale at home. Right. But I, I just felt like that Buffalo loss is going to linger and linger and linger until they can sort of make up for it. And, and in a way, they kind of did by, you know, going to Philadelphia and winning that game. That one was huge. And so... I, I I feel pretty good about them. I don't. I still have some concerns about the offensive line, and I still have some concerns about Cousins in terms of like the fumbling and the. It's not like he he's makes, got eleven turnovers, yeah, six interceptions, yeah, and it's not so much that he's. Even though you just presented that number, and it sounds like yeah, well, he turns the ball over all the time, but it's not even that he turns the ball over a lot that bugs me. It's sort of the inopportune times. I mean, there's never a good time for a turnover, but it seems like the 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 turnovers that happen, this team can sometimes struggle to recover from it. And we saw that from the New Orleans game where you had Thielen's fumble. They couldn't really bounce back from that. The pick six, which you know evidently ended up being sort of the, the backbreaker of that game. But that was because Stephon Diggs right. cut his route short. Right. And, and I guess my my only concern right now is number one, can the offensive line hold up the rest of the season? And two, can they limit the turnovers at the inopportune times, whether it's Diggs stopping on a route or Thielen fumbling or cousins getting you know, stripped, getting against strip the Rams. sacked or something like that. They just have to avoid those kind of things. And if they can do that as they get closer to the playoffs here, then I think they'll be fine, and they, I'll take my chances against I, just about anybody. They're zero and two against the Rams and the Saints. Of right. course, the uh, the royalty of the NFC, which basically all but assures that they will not be getting a first round bye, even if right. they do win the division. That being said, I don't think the losses were that bad. I mean, they kept pace with the Rams mm-hmm. the entire game, running up and down the field, and that's. No easy task on the road, no less. And they had the ball in their hands, you know, with the chance to to to, to win at the end until 
Cousins got strip sacked. But even the the performance against the Saints, you mentioned before Thielen's turnover. I mean, they were driving. They mm-hmm. had they had been putting up good numbers. They, had they were limited, up thirteen to ten. They, they and they were limiting Breeze and and the high powered Saints and what they could do. So. If those two are the cream of the crop in the class of the NFC, which their records clearly say they are, mm-hmm. uh, those two losses, I don't think, I don't think loom as much as the tie to Green Bay when you miss three field goals, mm-hmm. and the loss at home to Buffalo when you're 17 point favorites and you lose by 20. Those are the two games I think they're going to look back on and realize that's what cost us a buy. That what cost us. That's what cost us a home game, or that's what maybe cost us a playoff berth. Maybe not so much the Saints and the Rams game, which were good measuring sticks. If the Vikings end up having to go to L.A. or go to New Orleans, I think they'll probably feel pretty good about themselves because of how they played in in part uh, in, in parts against the Rams and the Saints. Although I don't, I would not want to have them going back down to the Super Bowl or Superdome. That's an awfully tough place see, to play. The L.A. Coliseum. I mean, you know. Yeah. See, that was going to be my question to you is. And I think we even posted a poll on this at 1500 ESPN on Twitter of if you had a choice of going to of having to go to the Coliseum in L.A. to play the Rams or go down to New Orleans in the Superdome for the Saints. I mean, for me, I'm I'm taking the L.A. Coliseum every time, even though it can fit 90,000 people. Right. But these are L.A. fans and they're not intimidating. And uh, the, the Rams themselves are intimidating. But yeah, I go out there in January, it'd be seventy degrees. It's not yeah. a bad place to play. We and I got to think, Superdome. Of, I got to think a good portion of Vikings fans will travel out. Oh, there, they would absolutely, you know, as they did. I mean, they did for the first time. Yeah. They played and earlier this year. Tickets are probably going to be easy to come by. Again, the Rams. I don't, you know, the Rams and the Chargers, two of the best teams in the league. Mm-hmm. I still don't feel like this huge wave of buzz, even though they're in Los Angeles because it, you know, they're they're relatively new back in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, L.A. is just. It's just not a rabid fan base. I mean, if they if this was New York or Chicago, uh, if both New York teams were as in good a shape as the uh, the Rams and the Chargers, you wouldn't hear it. You'd hear it'd be endless what you'd be hearing about them. You're hearing a lot about the Rams. You're not hearing anything about the Chargers. Right. So that being and the said, the Chargers are good. They're very good. Yeah. Um, that being said, I I if I'm the Vikings, I would feel pretty decent about going out to L.A. I would not want to go back into the cauldron of the Superdome and all those memories, or at least the storylines brought up of the 9 championship game where it all fell apart at the end, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll be, they're, they're going to be chasing the, the Saints. They're going to be dealing with, you know, crowd noise and, and a place where New Orleans plays its best football, and they're going to have to be chasing away the ghosts of 2009, too. And, and heck, there's nobody on the roster anymore that was even on that team, but it, it, it lingers and yeah. fans know that. And that's what the topic will be that whole week. So I do wonder if, you know, you get, you get to the playoffs, the chance, chances are you're probably going to have to go through both of those places anyway. If not the wild card the round Bowl. divisional, you're going there. Yeah. You're probably gonna have to go. If you're going to go to the Super Bowl, you're probably gonna have to go through both of those places. I think it's just a matter of which one you want to go through first. Which goes for, well, if you beat LA, then you feel good about yourselves and then you just brace for the dome. Yeah. In the NFC championship game. But I mean, yeah, it, it that offense, the saints, it, it, it is, the way they move the football and, you know, my guy Alvin Kamara, who I do, I love because he's a former Tennessee ball and all of that. 
I just I want no parts of having to go into that building and win a playoff game. Even I mean, which the, even if the Vikings get their defense even more in order than it has been recently. Yeah, I mean because I just think that environment and that dome with how loud it gets and the way that that team can feed off of the crowd and feed off of that environment, it it just they I mean they're good away from away from there too, but that that crowd just fuels that offense and fuels that quarterback and fuels those receivers, fuels that defense, and uh, it, that's just a tough place that I don't want to have to have anything to do with in the playoffs. I thought it was remarkable, too, that Drew Brees had one of his best games of the season uh, last week, the same week that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady met. I don't know. You may have heard that they were, they're pretty good and they were meeting for oh, the first time good? in five years. All the GOAT. <laughs> All the goat conversations and whether or not who would you take in a must-win game? Would you take Brady? Would you take Rodgers? Who's better and why? Mm-hmm. Drew Brees needs to be into that conversation too. I Absolutely. mean, he's won a title and he's been to you know he's he's been in New Orleans for ten years, putting up numbers that rival those two greats. And I I don't know if it's because he's smaller in stature and you know he just hasn't. The Saints are sort of. They've been decent, but they haven't been a dominant club, or they haven't been as much in contention every year as, say, Green Bay and obviously New England. Why do you think he's not in that conversation? I don't know. It's really weird because he's he's been this good for this long, 13 years with the Saints now. He's never won an MVP, which is kind of hard to believe considering how good he's been, but when you're playing in an era of Brady and Rodgers and you know even to a degree Manning before he started to, to sort of tail off, then you kind of get it, but it is pretty remarkable how good he's been and and I don't I don't know why like maybe it's because and I guess you could kind of say well, this for three's, Brady three's too, a crowd too you can't really have an argument about sure. who's, if you're going you want an argument of who's best you need a head-to-head a third person they can't really you can't decide it among the three teams right and and I also think part of it and you could maybe say this about Brady too is that I remember and and I thought this when Breeze broke the record couple of weeks ago against Washington, the the all-time passing yards record. And I remember thinking, man, I used to watch this guy at Purdue. He was yeah. 5'10 and maybe 195, 200 pounds. And Joe Tiller's got him slinging the ball all over the place. He's, you know, throwing for 400 yards against the Gophers every year and, and everything. But I never thought that that guy would end up throwing for more yards than anybody else in league history. Well, think about it. It never crossed my mind. He gets drafted time. by San Diego, and apparently he's got a bum shoulder, and they completely give right. up on him. So the, the San Diego Chargers and their front office yeah. had no sense that this guy was going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, it's kind of one of those ultimate uh, middle fingers to the rest of the, the football <laughs> yes. world, because look at me. And maybe even the Miami Dolphins, because they ended up taking Dante Culpepper over him. So Yeah, that... Uh, uh, they're going to have to own that for a long time. Yeah, Nick Saban is. But we Nick got Saban a uh, we got a pretty guest heavy show today. Yes, we do. Um, we have uh, Jace Frederick's going to come on at three thirty to talk about the Wolves and the latest on the Jimmy Butler saga. By the way, Butler is playing tonight against. Oh, the he Lakers. is going to play. It's he been tweeted that, out by Chris Hine of the Star Tribune. Yes. This is part of the this is part of the Butler package that Judd's been talking about, where you know. The games that Jimmy basically decides to play in. Yeah, I want to play. He wants to play the Lakers. Why couldn't he play the Clippers? You're still in L.A. Is that General Soreness gone? Um, We'll also have Matthew Collar at four o'clock to talk more Vikings. Star Tribune prep football writer Dave Levake at four thirty to kind of give us a sense of the uh, the state high school tournament that starts Thursday night. 
And, of course, Rich Gannon, uh, the former Raiders MVP, Minnesota native now, uh, and son-in-law of the late Bill Brown, who passed away uh, the other day. He'll be on at 5.15 for his regular appearance. We'll get into a lot of NFL talk with that. And, of course, we'll wrap up with Patrick Royce at about 5.45. So hang in there with us, folks. Brian Murphy in for Mackie and Judd here on 1500 ESPN. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh. It's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yes. On 1500 ESPN. All right, here's a quick check on your traffic. And uh, right now, we don't really have a whole lot of uh, anything going on in terms of crashes. Uh, we do have one near Forest Lake that is uh, 35 southbound, even before the split, uh, near Lake Drive and uh, Broadway, that exit up there. So be on the lookout for that. Otherwise, everything moving rather smoothly as we return to the TCDL Broadcast Studios. Brian Murphy in for Mackie and Judd. Our discussion of who's the greatest of all time quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and why isn't Drew Brees also in this conversation has stirred up some interest. Uh, We have a caller, Paul. You wanted to query us on something regarding that? What's up, Paul? Brian, it's good to hear your voice. I started worrying about you. I haven't heard from you in a long time. And, Thanks. I uh, appreciate that. I, uh, I know you've been battling something, so I'm glad to hear you. Thanks. Uh, question. Which one of the three is a better leader? And what I mean by that, I'm not talking talent. You know, you're down by 10 in the fourth quarter, and you have to rally the troops, and, and including the defense possibly, because they, they're going to have to make a stop or two. Which one of them would you want in battle? I That's a... That's a great question. I don't know if it can be solved. I mean, you could yeah. basically pick all three, 1A, well, 1B, and 1C, but I guess you don't want us to do that. Well, here's here's one of the reasons I asked. Talent-wise, I pick Aaron Rodgers, and because of versatility, he can run, and maybe not right now with his knee, but you know what I mean. Yep. Normal, mm-hmm. yep. you know, he's the one I would pick for talent, but he's also the first one to mope on the sidelines when things go wrong. Fair point. And, and so I don't know if that's considered a leader. Uh, Brady gets heated. And starts screaming at everybody, and, and I, I, if you want to call that rallying the troops, uh, you know, is Breeze more of a leader than, than the rest of them, where they, they actually respect the guy? He's not just screaming in their ear and, 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 and swearing at them. Yeah, he's or, not that or pouting, Right, you know? right. There's, there's never bad body language with Drew Breeze. I mean, that's a fair question to ask. Um, the only, you know, I, I come back to the whole discussion. And I know it's not just him, and he's not the only reason for it. But Tom Brady's got five rings, mm-hmm. and he's got eight Super Bowl appearances. Yeah. Now, granted, that Belichick has a lot to do with that, but Belichick's mostly a defensive-minded guy. So Brady is the common denominator with that. I mean, if you lead a team to five Super Bowl victories and eight appearances overall, I think that answers the question. Manny? Well, and... Oh, and- I, I, based on what you just said, because I've asked people this and, and, and they don't have a real good answer. If you switch quarterbacks, New Orleans and New England over the last 10 years, is the result the same? Does Drew Brees win five Super Bowls with Belichick and Brady only wins one with Manning? Or uh, Peyton, not Manning. <laughs> with Sean with Payton? That's a what great happens, question. Happens, These are great yeah, questions. You should be in our business. What? I tried. I, I thought I was going to win the contest. <laughs> well, it's 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 crazy, Paul, because I it's a tough question to answer. Like because I, I think sometimes when when we look at what Brady has done, you know, because I'm a, I'm a big believer that circumstances and situations are a huge part of. 
the success for these for all of these guys. And even in the case of like Aaron Rodgers, I mean Mike McCarthy right now is just it, it's a mess. He seems over like he's right borrowed time. Yeah, right and now. and with that, you just wonder like. There's been rumblings now that, you know, just offensively, they just haven't really adapted. They've been running the same system for the last 10 years, and they've never really tweaked it at all. And you just have to wonder if Aaron Rodgers was in a situation like what the Patriots have had, where they've they've right. tweaked their offense a little bit over the years. Even the Saints have done that. They've sort of added different wrinkles and, and you know, played to the strengths of the personnel that they've had a lot better than I think the Packers have. So I it's... It's a hard question to answer, but I, I tend to think if you switch these guys, then the results may not be exactly what they were, but it probably would be pretty similar. Paul, who is the, the GOAT in your mind? Uh, Talent-wise, I'd take Aaron Rodgers uh, yeah. because he makes fewer mistakes. Than every, you, know, you haven't even mentioned Favre, <laughs> which is interesting. I guess but, we're thinking active guys. Okay, all right. Uh, Talent-wise, I pick Aaron Rodgers, but his attitude, uh, you know, you, you put Aaron Rodgers with, with Belichick, and do they ever lose? <laughs> you know? I don't know. I mean, that's that's a that's a fair question. You know, this may be even more minute, but Brady in Foxborough, Rodgers in Green Bay, Breeze in the Dome. How much has that impacted the numbers and the success rate? I mean, you, you, Brady and, and Rodgers have to play in some awful conditions every year. Now, granted, the and Saints they typically play pretty well. Despite yeah, they do those very well, and yeah. you know, obviously, Breeze has played in cold weather, but he's also has the benefit of the loudest and most intimidating stadium among those three to play in. So, uh, you go, you go with age, you go with coaching, you go with skill set. I mean, what's your your measuring stick? I mean, that's the beauty of it. We can have this conversation and maybe not resolve it. Right, and fill fill three hours of time on the radio. <laughs> Absolutely, we're chewing time now. Thanks, there Paul. Thanks, yeah, Paul. Good bye. to talk to you. We also have another caller, Murph. Look we at got this, Sean and St. Paul. I love how these things can just spark debate. You know, Sean, what's up? I'm doing good. I'm at work. So, um, you better go quick the then if you're at work. Well, we'll keep you on as long as you want. <laughs> oh, well, I, I drive around. You know, I okay. make deliveries. Gotcha. So. But, um. I was going to say, talent-wise, out of the three that you guys are talking about, but I think the best, like, talent, most talented quarterback of all time would be Peyton Manning. Like, you guys haven't mentioned him at all. Well, we were just thinking active, but if you want to yeah, open yeah. it up to uh, the all, greatest of all time, I guess that's what the GOAT discussion is. I, we were just kind of limiting it to the, the active guys, but, yeah. yeah, if you open it up to to the rest of the field, I mean, you can make arguments for a ton of people. Yeah, so, like, the, out of current quarterbacks, I would have to say Brady because he has the rings, and then but and then uh, out of Rodgers and Breeze, they both have one Super Bowl. But I would have to choose Breeze. I think he's had a, been more consistent throughout his career. I think he's done more with less, and it's it's really debatable though, like you guys are saying. And I and it's not fair perhaps to, to throw injuries in it, but Rodgers has been dinged up more so than Breeze. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Brady, what he had—he had that knee blown out ten years ago. Other than that, I can't think of many instances where he's been out uh, for injury. Uh, right for injury, no, I, he typically doesn't. I mean, he got suspended anything. for Deflategate, but yeah. in terms of injury and Breeze too, I don't. I'm sure he's missed a few starts, but I don't think I've don't ever had if... to deal with questions about his durability or whether he was injured. Rogers, on the other hand, has been kind of dinged up. He's dinged up this yeah, year. I'm trying to think of when Breeze has missed time. Sean, thanks for the call, by the way. Um, 
I'm trying to think of a time where Breeze. Well, the shoulder was wrecked in San Diego. Right. I mean, but I'm, I mean, Orleans. just like with the Saints, I don't know if he's, has he missed a game with the I Saints? I mean. I don't think he has. There's a way to look at it if you want to look it up. I mean, it's just one of those, you remember sort of when Rodgers has been hurt and you know how much it's impacted the Packers' playoff appearances, but I can't, or playoff chances, but I can't seem to remember Brady, Brady other than his catastrophic ACL when he got mm-hmm. the defensive lineman with the Chiefs. I can't think of his name. Rolled him up on uh, opening Bernard day. Bernard Pollard. I, I believe he was a that. he was a safety. I believe. I knew Chiefs. you yeah. would know that. They labeled him. You know, they labeled him the Patriot Killer because he's like in like three or four consecutive years he laid out like a hit or a tackle or something that injured a significant player for the Patriots. There was one year where he hit Wes Welker, I think, and got him to. Caused a, like a concussion or something like that for Wes Welker. I think one year he hit Gronk and hurt Gronk's ankle or something like well, that. Gronk's so, hurt every other day. Yeah. But there was like a three or four years stretch where every year Bernard Pollard injured a Patriots player that like derailed their season. In Sounds terms like of Rodney Harrison a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So. Greatest of all time. We may never solve that. In a th- we could probably not solve it with three hours of phone calls. Right yeah, now. I would probably go. I'd probably go Brady. I'm sticking with Brady yeah. just because of the championship rings and accomplishments. Again, yeah, and three losses too. So he'd spend eight Super Bowls. That's ridiculous. I mean, Montana. He's uh, been the starter. This is eighteenth year as a starter. Marino, Elway. I mean, Elway went to. F- what four or five lost them all until the last couple he went to five yeah five okay yeah. that's got to be the next one right is there Probably. any other quarterback that's gone to more than five super bowls i don't think so manning played in four aikman did f- aikman did three three and while well, jim kelly in a losing effort did four did four yeah four um, in a row yeah four in a row um tarkenton did three three yep yeah. uh i mean bradshaw he did bradshaw f- played in four four and won them all yep yeah, the, those those two have got to be the most Super Bowl appearances. So, I mean, yeah. I, the championship pedigree, I think, always solves every argument. Uh, anyway, we'll be back uh, with Jace Frederick, my colleague at the Pioneer Press. Uh, he'll, he'll be talking Wolves. In case you didn't hear, Jimmy Butler out in L.A. is going to play tonight against the Lakers. So there is no general soreness. We don't have any of that tonight. No, so. ge- it's generally been taken care of. Mm. Brian Murphy in for Mackie and Judd. We'll be back right after this. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokley. On 1500 ESPN. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. All right, join Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgat for a live taping of the Purple Podcast at Lucky's 13 Pub in Plymouth this Thursday. That's tomorrow from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. We'll be giving away a pair of tickets to watch uh, the Purple take on Miami and other fabulous 1500 ESPN prizes. Lucky's 13 Pub in Plymouth tomorrow night from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Details, 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Matthew Collar of 1500ESPN.com will be uh, here with me in the studio at the top of the hour to talk Vikings. And we should, before we get to Jace Frederick to talk Wolves, we should just throw out this little nugget. Adam Schefter reporting that uh, former Lions running back Amir Abdullah was claimed by the Vikings and he will stay in the NFC North division. He had been in it inactive for most of Detroit's season and he had a, you know, he's had some big games in the past, but I think the Vikings are trying to uh, address their 
running back depth with with the Dalvin Cook still a little banged up, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Right now, let's pivot over to the Timberwolves where the saga, the Jimmy Butler saga continues with a couple of new wrinkles to it. Jace Frederick, who covers the team for the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com is with us. Jace, what is the latest in the Jimmy Butler saga? Well, just in terms of latest, I mean, as far as like noise, as far as Minnesota looking to deal him, you don't get the sense that anything's really that close. Now, just in terms of today, um, Tibbs said this morning at Shooter Untold Reporters that Jimmy's playing today, um, which is kind of an interesting thing when every single day that it's a question, um, Jimmy gets asked almost after every game now, like, are you playing the next game? Tibbs gets asked the morning of each game, is Jimmy playing tonight? Um, that level of kind of uncertainty, and when that's kind of one of the, the big storylines heading into each game day is probably not ideal for a team. Um, I will say in Jimmy's defense, it's only there's only the one time the game against Utah where he didn't play where it wasn't a part of a back-to-back. So that was really, I guess, one of the more puzzling um, decisions for him to set. You see guys, especially the top players who are coming off injuries. Now, Jimmy's not so much coming off an injury versus just kind of skipping training camp, but guys coming off of injuries sit out one part of the back-to-back, uh, especially early in the season. Um, so it's not entirely unusual, but Still, it's 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 not great when when that's kind of one of your main storylines. Well, everybody every game every week, and everybody looks bad in it. You know, Tom Thibodeau looks bad. Butler certainly looks bad. Glenn Taylor looks bad, and maybe even I hate to be tough on him, but uh, Tyus Jones may even look a little bad because of what happened yesterday. Uh, calling Jimmy selfless. I got the sound uh, right here. Okay, go for it. Your boy Jimmy Butler loaned you the plane to get here to see your brother. What can you say about Jimmy's gesture? Uh, that's my guy. That's my guy. Um, very selfless, and uh, he was actually supposed to be here. Something came up, uh, but he told me to go anyways. And um, so, yeah, nice of him. Okay, the backdrop is Tyus's younger brother Trey is a star freshman with Duke, and uh, Jimmy Butler, while during the Timberwolves off day out in Los Angeles between the Clippers and the Lakers game, decided to charter a jet for him to go watch his younger brother play. I think it was in Indianapolis, right? Is that where the Duke Kentucky yep. game was? Mm-hmm. All right, so. Uh, what are we to make sort of of that? I mean, you know, Tyus isn't going to throw the guy under the bus, especially if, after he chartered a plane for him. But uh, to, to call Jimmy Butler selfless right now, is this uh, Butler being really shrewd, trying to maybe move the meter on the public opinion? No, I don't think so. You know, one thing that it's been interesting, and I, and I won't say that all players have felt this way or anything, but especially a lot of the veteran players, um, and, and even you can kind of throw Tyus in this group too, they've really kind of separated, okay, Jimmy's deal is kind of, you know, on the business side of things, you know, it's 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 kind of his his frustrations, his issue is more with the Timberwolves front office, and they kind of feel, even though he hasn't exactly been playing every game, that Andy skipped training camp, that Jimmy's still been, you know, like in general, a good teammate uh, to a lot of them. Anthony Tolliver, who just showed up uh, this year via free agency and as a veteran, has said many times that Jimmy's you know is a great leader, and he just got here, so he just kind of arrived in all of this, and he said that Jimmy's been a great leader um, since he's been here, so. I do think that still a lot of players feel as though Jimmy's been a pretty good teammate, at least while he's been around here. Um, and with Tyus, it's always kind of been the case, because Jimmy's always been very fond of Tyus. He's also been fond of, of Tyus' younger brother, Trey. He seems to like the way that he plays as well. But I think a lot of players have kind of separated, okay, what Jimmy's doing is kind of, you know, it's kind of a business decision type thing, and, and his issues are with the front office. But when he's around us, he's still, you know, they've still kind of enjoyed playing with him and being around him, and, and I guess the teammate that he's been to them specifically. Um, so I, I just think that, you know, and it is a nice gesture to, kind of give someone basically charter them your teammate a plane so he can go watch his little brother and you don't even end up going and you still uh, still do it. it it is a nice gesture i don't think we should look 
too much into the context of that um, as him kind of trying to do it as a PR move. I don't really think that was the case. I mean, Jimmy is the same guy who last March when he was out um, with with the legitimate knee injury and Trey Jones was playing in the state championship game at Target Center. Um, Jimmy was there on the sidelines watching. So and I think this is still the kind of thing that Jimmy does either way. Um, but, yeah, it does. I can see how it looks like a PR move, but I don't really think it is. And I think a lot of teammates still don't really have a problem with Jimmy and kind of have separated the whole business thing versus kind of the teammate and the guy he is in the locker room. So update us on what the the latest or best offers that are reportedly, apparently, perhaps on the table. I think Houston, a slew of draft picks. What What is out there right now that's been reported, and, and what? why is it sort of ground to a halt? Yeah, you know, still Houston's one seems like the only real still concrete one, just the, the four first-round picks, and then um, Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight, two guys who probably don't crack the Timberwolves rotation, and in Knight's case, he's been injured and is not really a good contract that you really want on your books either. Um, and then the four first round picks, there's just so much uncertainty with it. Um, Miami, you know, they reportedly had offered Josh Richardson earlier, um, earlier in October, and then that deal kind of fell apart late. And with how well Josh Richardson's been playing lately, he's been really good for the Heat um, of late. I kind of wonder if he would still be able, still be willing to put him on the table. Um, you know, he's he's a young guy who's playing really well, averaging over 20 a game lately, and. It is on a pretty good deal, four years, like forty-one, forty-two million. I don't remember the exact number. So I don't know if Miami would want to deal that for a guy who, you know, with Butler who's going to be, you know, thirty years old and looking wanting a max contract. It just doesn't seem to make a whole ton of sense for Miami. Now maybe they want to pull the trigger, maybe not. Um, I just still think that a lot of people, teams, think, okay, the Timberwolves, like they'll have to crack here eventually um, and and take less than they want. But Tibbs and everybody are standing strong, and I don't think they're really in any sense of too much urgency to make a deal before they have to. Now, I do think that they'll eventually make one before the deadline because it doesn't make sense for Butler to, to let Butler go for nothing. What is the deadline, February? Yeah, it's in mid-February, so there's still a lot of time between now and then, but I just don't think the Timberwolves are like, well, you have to pull the trigger right now because I think this holding pattern there, and they're like, well, we'll wait and see if something better comes along because we just don't think anything's been worth doing to this point. Um, you don't get the sense at all that they're like, okay, we have to pull the trigger by the end of the month or anything like that. So I think wouldn't be surprised at all if this thing drags out quite a bit more unless some team gets really desperate and decides, okay, we have to drop our offer because we need Jimmy Butler right now. Jace Frederick covers the Timberwolves for the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com. The Wolves continue their West Coast trip against the Lakers tonight in Los Angeles. They're winless so far on the road this season, 0-6. A couple other stats worth noting. They have the second, I guess the second worst defense in the league, allowing a little bit over 114 points a game. Uh, removing the the Butler saga and and kind of segregating that a bit. What do you think? Uh, what do you think the club's identity is right now, and and why is it struggling to rebound, defend, and all of that? Well, it's been struggling to defend and everything for the better part of you know fifteen years, um, <laughs> and just it, it's just kind of like the Timberwolves don't have an identity, and that's kind of been their identity. You look at just what they do offensively, and, and you look at a game like like last game against the Clippers, where Carl Anthony Towns seems to have a distinct advantage on the inside. They get on the ball early in the first half. He has success with it. It doesn't continue into the second half, and then by the fourth quarter, they're kind of struggling offensively. to be taking a lot of bad shots. Andrew Wiggins is still taking those ill-advised mid-range shots that he can't hit. Um, Butler is, you know, it's still been relatively solid that he wasn't that impressive early on in the Clippers game. But when he's, you know, he hasn't played three of the games already this year that's a problem because they're not nearly as good when he's on the court, when he's not on the court. Um, even Derek Rose, who's had bright spots throughout the year. I mean, he, 
his availability since that 50-point game has been off and on um, as he's dealing with an ankle injury. So just like their lineup has been so inconsistent as to who's in it at any given point, and there's still the depth isn't that great where when you're pulling guys from the bench into the starting lineup, then the guys behind the bench who are coming in, um, they're just not good enough to kind of make up for those um, those absences and their deficiencies. They, they still can't defend the three very well. Uh, their, their rotations still aren't that good defensively. Um, they just they have a lot of holes, and there are a lot of holes that I think have been there for a couple of years, and Jimmy Butler um, was able to kind of hide a lot of them last year, but they're kind of rearing their heads all over again. Um, it's, it's kind of part of the problem where you look and you say how much have the Timberwolves progressed from year to year, and I still think you can say through early to this year for especially some of their younger players, not enough, um, not nearly are they improving enough. Um, it's kind of all getting overshadowed and pointed at this Jimmy Butler thing, like, okay, well, here's the problem, here's the problem. But I kind of think the Jimmy Butler situation right now isn't asking problems that just exist within their personnel and their team as a whole. Um, I just don't think they're good enough. Um, and I think that's for multiple different reasons, probably some coaching, probably some personnel, the way the roster's put together. But I don't really see themselves getting out of this hole, which I think is probably all the more reason that eventually you want to trade Butler and almost do even kind of a soft reset and see exactly where you can get the personnel to help improve this team and get it back on the right track. Cause certainly right now it just seems to be a little bit off the rails in, in multiple different ways. Jace, how do they get Andrew Wiggins back on track? I mean, I, I, Dane and I on the podcast earlier this week on raised by wolves earlier this week, talked about the idea of maybe, and I don't think Tibbs would ever go for this, but the idea of maybe moving Andrew to a sixth man role and just allow him to just be a scorer off the bench to where that's just more of a thing he can focus on and he doesn't have to deal with Jimmy Butler needing touches and needing to dribble dribble the ball and try and create plays and Jeff Teague needing the ball in his hands and Towns needing touches and everything. If he can maybe play on the second unit to where he can be sort of the, the focal point of the offense, then maybe that might help him. But right now it's just like he's just sort of out there on an island by himself and he just doesn't know what to do and you just wonder about the, the the focus and the drive to do what he needs to do to get better. It's just a really, really prickly situation for him. Well, the problem with Andrew is, you know, is his jump shot that great? Now he's hitting the three at a better percentage early this year, but that's been the case for like the last three years. For some right. reason, he shoots the ball well early in the year, and then that really falls off, and that's only been from three. He's not shooting that mid-range jumper well at all. I tweeted about it today, but he's, he's hitting 25% of his mid-range jump shots, which with the volume he takes is not good. Um, but then, you know, you talk about being on that second unit and kind of being the primary scorer, and right now you kind of wonder is he equipped to even do that because he's not shooting the ball well. It's like, well, it'd be nice to see him attack the rim, but his ball handling is not very good. So right. it's hard for him to get to the rim um, with ease. You know, it, it, he kind of has to be more like a slasher, a cutter, uh, but you need other people to kind of set you up in those types of situations. So I almost even wonder right now if he's equipped enough to be that primary scorer even on a second unit and have a ton of success with that. Um, I really think with Andrew, if he's ever going to get back on track, I think it's got to be doing other things. I really think it has to be, you know, getting into the passing lanes defensively, getting on on the fast break, getting easy points that way, affecting the game in different ways. Grab a rebound. Grab a rebound. Please. Crash the the offensive glass. You know, get yourself some easy buckets that way. But those are the things that have been his major deficiencies for years now. So I think if that's the way that he needs to get back on track, which I think it is, then I think he's in trouble because he hasn't done that in so many years. So how can he just flip the switch back on um, and, and do those types of things? But you just look at it like skill wise you know it looks like there's so much talent there but then you see like if you can't shoot that well and you can't from the outside and you can't ball handle well enough to be able to get yourself to the spots where you need to get to then how are you going to be a phenomenal scorer um consistently and i just i don't know i don't know the answer to that for him right now all right jace thanks for coming on i appreciate it per usual 
Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Jace. All right. Uh, it's 345 right here on uh, 1500 ESPN. Uh, we'll be back and talk about the college basketball debut of one of the most hyped prospects ever. And will you be able to root for Duke because of that? Brian Murphy in for Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, man. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's take a look at your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 94 westbound. Uh, we've got some debris on the roadway, so be on the lookout for that. That's in Brooklyn Center uh, between Brooklyn Boulevard and Zane Avenue. So, uh... If you're in that area, be on the lookout for a little debris on the roadway. Otherwise, everything moving smoothly around the Metro. Zion Williamson for three. And there's Williamson with another rebound. And now he's bringing it up the floor. Bounce pass to Jones for the layup. Very efficient. Rebounding, handling the ball, and finishing again. Man, oh man. I know we've said it before. This kid's got 1.8 million followers on Instagram, largely because of dunks. It's a disservice to his talent to call him a dunker. No, he's a player. He's unbelievable. Yeah, the much-awaited debut of Zion Williamson for the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, as, as the announcers were mentioning about his his super YouTube uh, performances or Instagram performances uh, for dunking, guy's a, a well-rounded player. Oh, and yes, he's a, he he's, a, he's a man among among children. I mean, he's six foot seven, two hundred eighty-five pounds. If he were in the NBA right now, he'd be the second heaviest uh, player behind Boban Marinjovic. Uh, do you know Marinjovic? Yeah. Yep. Um, he's he had twenty-eight points, seven rebounds. He was eleven of thirteen, and it was just strength and just brute power that yeah. he was able to overcome double teams and length length and they you know yeah. heck the Kentucky actually threw a seven footer on him and it didn't seem to matter what uh what were you most impressed with I was impressed with his passing ability and his ability to to get out and run the floor I mean he was grabbing rebounds and just taking it off and running and leading the fast break and throwing dimes to Trey Jones and RJ Barrett and I mean this kid is and Make no mistake. I mean, this Duke team is going to be fantastic. I mean, they they are loaded. Yeah, with, they're young. Yeah, they're, they're. I mean, they've got all these kids that are probably going to be one and done. Yeah, you're that's, right. That's the thing now. But, this kid will be. Oh yeah, for sure. And 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 Barrett will be too. Um, and even Tyus's brother probably will be too. But they they are just they are loaded, and it's going to be hard to match. Like Kentucky Murph was. You know, now we'll we'll find out how good they actually are. But Kentucky was a preseason number two. Yep, this wasn't like some, you know, lower uh, group of five school or non non power conference school that they whipped up on last night they by thirty four points. Thirty four points. The the preseason number two team in the country, Kentucky. So I mean, this team is this team is loaded. And Williamson, the only thing that Williamson probably needs right now, or that he maybe doesn't do, doesn't do quite as well as he. Probably has to develop a little bit more of a consistent jumper, but he's a capable shooter. I mean, he had a three pointer last night. So, I mean, this kid is—he uh, can finish the break. He yes, can, uh, pass just like a point guard. He can put the ball on the deck and break you off the dribble. I mean, he is—he is serious business, man. This team is going to be fun to watch. He can dunk from the free throw line. That's uh, pretty <laughs> solid. Uh, it should be noted too that we mentioned uh, uh, Trey Jones, Tyrus's younger brother. 
Uh, he also had uh, he had a decent night. He dished out seven assists, thirty one minutes. Um, I wanted to ask because of how fantastic it is to watch Williamson. Is it possible to watch him and admire him and still root against Duke? Um, I don't know. I don't really. I don't hate Duke the way I did. Oh, so you're the one guy. When, well, I mean, I don't. It's it's kind of and maybe this kind of started with you know when Tyus was there and they they beat Wisconsin, which you know being kind of a gopher homer and rooting against Wisconsin, it's kind of it was kind of fun to see the Badgers lose that title game. But I don't know. I I haven't really like despised Duke in a really long time since Christian Leitner or maybe even oh after. probably a little while after that. Probably the the Shane Battier. That that sort of group back in like the early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands. That was probably the last time where I looked at Duke and was like, I can't stand them type of thing. But other than that, I mean, you know, they, I've 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 been okay with them, and maybe it's just because I don't know. There's just so many other like dominant, you know, college basketball. There's there's a fair amount of parity around yeah, the yeah. around the game now because because teams are just not sticking together. We got so many of these one and duns now that teams are not. You know, that Florida team with Joakim Noah and Al Horford and Corey Brewer, that was the last real, like, championship caliber team that, like, stuck together for multiple years and won multiple championships. We're just we're just not seeing that anymore. I mean, this Duke team that is, as it's constructed now, is completely different than the team even last year. So, I mean, it's it's hard for me to really, like, look at Duke and be like, oh, I can't stand them because it's like they're, they're a completely different team every single year now. Uh, we should pivot over to the Gophers and mention the fact that they uh, they won their season opener at Williams Arena over Omaha fairly easily, one hundred four to seventy six. Shot just under fifty percent from the three point line. Um, did you watch much of the game, or did you just kind of click back and forth between you know the 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 game is in Indi- in uh, the game in Indianapolis and then this one, or did you did you really tune in? I didn't get a chance to see much of it at all. I I will say that. I think this is a big year for Richard Patino. Oh yeah. I this he needs to he needs to do something this year. There should be and a flame that's being turned up pretty yeah, high under his Because, seat. you know, and and I'm on board with him. I've you know, I've been critical of him in certain seasons and everything, but overall I've I've been more pro Patino than I have been anti Patino. But they they need to get something, especially after last year. And, you know, last year they dealt with so many injuries and everything, too. So you kind of give them a little bit of a pass. But he's got to he's got to get something done this year. Like they've got to You know, and they've got enough back to to be in the mix and and contend in this conference and get to the tournament and maybe win a game or two. Like they've got enough to do that. So it's it's they're going to need they're going to need a good year, I think, to really to to sort of push off some of that heat that might be. On uh, on Richard right now. So is it is it safe to say, uh, just based on what you saw last night, that it's Duke and everybody else in terms of uh, the the hierarchy? Um, Kansas I don't know. is going to be there. Yeah, Kansas Kansas is going to be in the mix. They beat Michigan State last night in the State Farm Classic. I I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It it's kind of. I think it's easy to sort of look at Duke and be like, oh my God, nobody's going to beat them. But you never know. I mean, there are other good teams around uh, around the country. I would just be very curious to see how. I'm I'm wondering how good Kentucky is, because they got their butts whooped. By They'll respond. Last night. They yeah. should respond. So I I'm I'm curious, you know, and they've got some guys that have that have played. They got Reed Travis now, who former you know Minnesota kid, De La Salle kid, who went out to Stanford for a little bit and then transferred over to Kentucky. So they they've got 
they've got some talent, some veteran talent. Uh, I'm just curious as to how, you know, are they still like a top five team after what we saw last night? I'd be very curious to see that. Coach Mike Krzyzewski, I don't know, it's about 35 years right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still, I mean, he's not going anywhere, but I'm curious where, where you think he will fall ultimately. How will history judge Mike Krzyzewski? Oh, it's hard to it's hard to not put him up there. I yeah. mean, Royce can't stand him. But I know a lot of people can't. But it's I mean the the results are what they are. He's it's 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 the same as like Belichick. I mean, you just you can't argue with the results, and he's been doing it for almost forty years now. Mm-hmm. There, so Early I 80s, yep. and he's 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 adapted to the you know because he was the guy that got all the you know he had all the guys that stayed there for four years forever, and now. He's doing the one and done thing just like Calipari is and just like a bunch of other schools are doing now. So he's he's adjusted to the way the game is is the way the game has sort of transformed over the years. And he's I mean, he's at the top of the mountain even right now with this team. Yes. Well, it, it you know, the final four has been in Minneapolis twice, 1991 at the Metrodome, 2001 at the Metrodome. Duke mm-hmm. won it both times. Yep. The U.S. Bank Stadium will be hosting its first Final Four this April. Uh, I have a pretty good feeling we're going to see Duke and Mike We might Krzyzewski. see them there. Yeah, you think? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, uh, is it's it, it's going to be a fun season, though. Is it? Yeah, I was going to say, do you think there'll be more, a little bit more interest nationally beyond the Gophers in town simply because the, the Final Four is coming back for the first time in 18 years? And, and do you get a sense that there's a little bit of buzz? The Super Bowl seemed to have a long buildup to it, but the Final Four is only five months away. Yeah, I mean, it, it should be fun. I think a lot of people are going to be uh, anticipating it, and it, it'll be a little different because you're going to have the the fan bases of four teams yep. in town for that weekend, and then you're going to have just, you know, you're going to have so many media members and college basketball fans in general that might not have a, a, a horse in the race that are going to be around, too. It's it's going to be fun. It'll be exciting. Well, I'm prom- looking forward to it. I promise nothing about the weather, but it should be a little warmer <laughs> right. than the zero-degree week early we had April, Super Bowl yeah, 52. Yeah, we might have, uh, what, 25 degrees early April. Yeah, I mean, April 14th, right. we got 20 inches of snow uh, this past year. So I, I, know. I mean, that would only... I missed s- that, though, because I was on a cruise. Oh, I was on a boat. God, you are so lucky. Yeah. And th- if, if it happens again when the, when the national media is here and all people from around the country, it's just going to solidify the myth that we lived in the Arctic, that we live in the Arctic Circle. I try to tell people that all the time. It's not that bad, but then something happens where you get snow, twenty inches of snow on April fourteenth, and people can't stop talking about the great Halloween blizzard of nineteen ninety one. Right. Uh, so it just kind of uh, dispels the notion that uh, we're we're just like everyone else. Um, coming up at four o'clock, Matthew Collar will be in here in studio to talk about the Vikings. Rick Spielman, the general manager, yesterday had his. Annual sit down with the beat writers. We'll talk to Matthew about that. This is Brian Murphy in for Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN.